Hello and welcome to Draw Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week is David Forrest. David, hello. Hello. How are you? Um, unlike some uh, miserable Thistle fans, I actually quite enjoy when we win. So, you know, I'm, I'm buzzing. Good stuff. And Jamie McDonald is here. Jamie, how are you? I'm, I'm brilliant, man. I'm just glad we got that win. It's fantastic. Even though we didn't play our best, it's three points. Definitely. I think we were talking off air there that winning and not playing well is a better feeling than playing well and drawing nil-nil, as what happened last week. So, Jamie, what were your thoughts on the performance today? Uh, I thought the first half was, you know, it was pretty pretty dull. Not much happened in it, to be honest. We weren't we weren't great going forward. We had a chance, like, one minute in, that Penrose shot that got blocked. And Brian Graham, obviously, with that breakaway just before the halftime whistle, wasn't fantastic in the end shot. But we weren't great in the first half. I thought we were, like, lumping the ball forward quite a lot. Foster did it quite a few times, just hoofing it up. Wasn't working very well. But in the second half, obviously, Gordon came on not too long before halftime. I didn't actually see it. didn't realise he was on the park because my stream cut out. But um, he came on, obviously, made a huge difference. He got the opening goal. I saw some four for fans on Twitter complaining about it being a foul. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't see any foul in the build-up. But uh, obviously, that was fantastic for him to get his first goal of the season. That is Gordon's main attribute, getting goals, just ghosting into the box, scoring. And hopefully, that'll be the first of many this season. Obviously, he sets up the second one, which none of us saw because of picks a lot. But I'm glad for Doc to get a goal. He's been trying for a week, man. Man, he's been trying for weeks. He's been so close. And glad for him just to finally get that goal, just to top off another good performance from him. I thought we controlled the game well today. Fourth had a couple balls into the box, but I don't think they ever. I don't remember them having any big chances. I think they maybe had one that was blocked in the first half. But Kieran Wright once again wasn't wasn't tested very much. I mean, he must just love playing for us. He doesn't have to do anything and he's got a really good clean sheet record. He really isn't doing much. The defence has been fantastic. I mean, Senna was good again. Darren Brownlee was good again. I was just impressed with everybody, to be honest. And that's five clean sheets in a row. No complaints there. And two goals scored up the other end. So, all in all, it's a, it's a good three points. David, we were watching the game together and I know we were commenting on Forfer Athletic's Twitter feed, which was a touch salty, to sort of say the least. They were complaining as Jamie said about the the filler midfield which we thoroughly enjoyed what have you made of our start to the season so far David? Um, I mean in terms of the start I mean 14 points out of your first eight games it's it's kind of a mixed bag because obviously with that there has been some games that have been very disappointing like the Clyde game and um, the Dumbarton game last week and stuff like that nonetheless we always talked about how we needed 15 points and to be honest to get 13 out of 15 from that is still quite a good return. Um, with that, I know obviously we felt that we should have got the win against Dumbarton, which is fair enough. I know we probably should have. But as well with Cove kind of falling away a wee bit, um, we are still in the running. I believe we're in second now in the league. I can, I can see us doing well. I think that our run, we, we've really improved over the last couple of weeks. And I feel a lot more positive. And I feel that, again, in this league, you're going to have teams lose points. Um, it's going to happen to us, it's going to happen to Falkirk, it's going to happen to Cove. And I think um, after this, if we can beat Peterhead next week, I think we'll actually be in a, in a, a fairly decent position. Um, and I, I wouldn't have grumbled too much if you said to me at the start of the same row, 17 points at your first nine. It's actually probably not a, not a too bad rate of return, bearing in mind we have to play three title contenders. Jamie, David mentioned there that uh, we are now second in the league. We've jumped above Cove today with that three points and we're six points behind Falkirk. Um, Callum Stewart's got in touch to ask if we are title contenders. So, what are your thoughts on how the league table is shaping up at this early stage? 
Uh, yeah, I definitely think that we are title contenders. You know, we're only six behind Falkirk. I'm glad because, you know, if, if we lost today or drawn, you know, they could have started to create quite a significant gap. But they've not. They're only six points ahead of us. And that Boxing Day game, is, it's just it's becoming bigger and bigger the closer it's getting. And I mean, no, we've overtaken Cove today, who originally, you know, they looked like they were, they were quite comfortably ahead of us at one point. I mean, were they six, six points ahead of us, seven points ahead of us possibly at one point? But, you know, I'm just glad to see that we've really pulled ourselves back up. We're into second place now. I'm, I'm definitely saying we're title contenders. There's no reason to think we're not. Any team can drop points at some point. Obviously, Falkirk, they're unbeaten. They have they have had a very good start to the league. There's no denying that. But why not us be the first people to beat them on Boxing Day? Or hopefully, they can maybe draw a game before then, drop another point. So it really does become a huge game. Maybe they're only five ahead of us come Boxing Day or something like that. So I, def- I definitely say we're title contenders. There's no reason to think we're not. And we've still got a lot of the season left to go. We've not even played the other nine teams that we still have Peterhead to play. So I definitely say we're title contenders. And come January, if we can strengthen the squad and get some more goals to improve our goal difference and hopefully get some more results, then, yeah, I can't, there's no reason we can't win the league. I agree with you, Jamie. I think, from my point of view, whenever you look at league tables, I think if a team has a situation within their hands, which we currently do, we are six points behind Falkirk, but we've still got to play them twice. So I know we're not going to win every game, but the league is still in our hands. And as long as it remains in our hands, I think we're in a relatively good situation. I know we've had some disappointing results last season. Eh, this season, sorry. I think the, the game at Clyde is probably the most disappointing when you see the results they've had since. And obviously dropping points at home to Dumbarton is is bad when you look at the, the results that Falkirk are picking up at the same time. But as long as it's in our hands... I think we'll always be contenders. Um, just joining us now uh, is Kieran Ashton. Kieran, hello. How are you? All right. Sorry, I'm late, but uh, good to be uh, good to come back on and talk about Fussel One. Not a problem, Kieran. Do you want to give us your thoughts on the, the performance today? Yeah, uh, I thought we I thought we did well, well in the second half. I thought we did well. Um, the the first half was um, very brutal to watch, but um, uh, I thought as soon as uh, Gordon came on, he kind of changed up and obviously got the goal and got the assist. So I thought it was good. Very good one. Needed it. Jamie, we've raved about Brian Graham on the podcast so far this season, but in the last couple of weeks, he's looked a little bit short of confidence. What have you made of his performances in the last couple of weeks? And do you think he just needs a, needs a goal to get himself back to what we saw at the start of the season? Uh, yeah, exactly that. I think if he scores, then I think he'll his confidence will be back up and running. He definitely, his performance levels haven't been as good as they were, but I think we were relying on him a lot. And because we weren't playing very well, a lot of the focus went to Graham because he was playing well and he was getting goals. But that penalty miss, obviously, it was. I mean, the rebound from that penalty miss against Martin, it was horrendous. It was a it was a dreadful miss. But yeah, that will be playing in his mind a little bit. But I think if he gets a goal, he'll he'll be back. He'll be back to his usual self. He's he is a good player. I mean, it's not like his performances have been dreadful. It's just that in front of goal, he does seem to be lacking a little bit of confidence. You know, some poor finishes and maybe he was taking on a shot today twice. I think when he really shouldn't have, he should have probably pass there. Taking it in a bit, taking it in a little bit further into the goal, but I mean, maybe it's just playing in his mind a little bit, again a bit panicky. But I'm sure McCall and his teammates will allow him to kind of calm down a bit. And he's under a lot of pressure. Remember, he's our only fit striker, and he has been all season. We can't just be relying on him for goals, which is why it's great that you know two new goal scorers today both got their first goal of the season. Hopefully, take the pressure off him. And then all he needs to score is just a tap in. He just needs to score something. It could be a terrible goal. It could, honestly, I don't think he'd care. It could be anything, any sort of goal, wonder goal or tap, and it doesn't matter. As long as he gets a goal, and I think he'll go back to his usual self and get scoring goals. David, we've had a listener question from Cameron this week asking if Shea Gordon should keep his place in the starting 11 next week over Connor Murray, who went off today. 
Blair Lyons also come in and look quite lively when he came on off the bench. Do you think Gordon or Lyons should get a start next week? Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, for Gordon, getting that goal today is going to give him a world of confidence. It's going to make him, uh, you know, feel a bit more confident. We talked, you know, previously about Manpreet not even realising he was in the pitch for 70 minutes against Morton. He can be very invisible when he doesn't pull something off, and we hope this kind of turns it around for him. Kick on with his season, maybe can contribute a few more goals and just make himself a bit more visible and give more of a case for him to stay in the team. Obviously, Shagwan did play well today, and there'd be no like justifiable reason not to start him next week, to be fair to him. But if Player Lions is start, started, I wouldn't be and you know annoyed at seeing him in the lineup. I really do hope he gets some more game time. I'd like to see him get at least forty five minutes coming on at half time, say if we're no nil again, which seems to keep happening, no nil at half time. If you know if we were, I would not be against seeing him come on. I thought he as I said earlier, I thought he looked good when he came on. He was again energetic, offers us something a little bit different. And if Conor Murray is uh, out injured, hopefully oh God, I hope he's not out injured too long. We just cannot have more injuries, players come back, more go out. It's not what we need. But if he is out for, say, like a week or something, McCall doesn't want to risk him, then there's no reason to not start Blair Lions out wide. This week on Social Media Howlers, Kieran Ashton and Jamie McDonald are going to talk you through all the wild things that Partick Thistle fans have posted online in the last week. Social media, social media blunders with uh, myself and Kieran. Got some interesting tweets to talk about this week. I think the first one we're going to start on is uh, against Dumbarton last week. Uh, someone tweeted that Blair Spittle was shite against Dumbarton and he was one of the worst players in the park. <laughs> Blair Spittle's been out injured for about four weeks now, so I don't know how <laughs> quite interesting to see he was the worst player on the park. But what do you think of that, Kieran? It's that certainly an interesting tweet to see. Very, very interesting tweet. I mean, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just getting any words for it. I don't know if it was uh, one of the tweets that, uh, that was posted to fucking fish for likes, but it's certainly, if that's actually, if that's actually an actual opinion they've had on that match, I, I think they should get up the football. Aye, I, I've literally getting any words for it. I'm the exact same. I generally think it was serious because they said that Spittle, Graham, and I can't remember, Spittle Graham and someone else said they were the shittest players on the park against the Buttons. I, I genuinely think they were being serious. It didn't seem like they were they were mucking about. But I don't know, I've got no words as well, man. I just couldn't believe it when I saw it. I thought it was hilarious. During the, during the Forfar and Fissile game, a completely anonymous poster on Twitter, nah, not, totally not from a, a member of this podcast, um, when, when the Shea Gordon substitution was made. Uh, Shea Gordon on Oh no, Shea Gordon then scored and got an assist for the second. Um, I think the person who uh, tweeted that should hang his seat in shame today. Aye, a, a very bad tweet. And the person who tweeted that should now should, should probably consider deleting social media. Uh, I mean, I don't know who would ever tweet something like that. I, I don't know anybody who would tweet something so embarrassing to look so bad. And it might end up back on one of those... Uh, Unfortunate football accounts, unfortunate events. Uh, who knows? But I, I, I mean, like I have said myself. I remember against Morton last season when Shea Gordon came off the bench uh, at home. I was like, that's the wrong substitution. And he scored with his first touch and then scored again. Seems like any time. I mean, does get slagged quite a lot by some people, which is I think unfair to be fair. 
But today, he obviously, he came on, did the business, got a goal, got an assist. And it seems like criticism of him always seems to end up going well for the team. So if people keep slagging him off and he comes on and he keeps scoring, that's fine by me. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I said on someone who tweeted that was also in hospitality that day. And when that substitution was made, that certain someone shouted, Shea Gordon, not another fucking passenger. And as you said, went on to score both goals, which which proved to be the winner that day. So really, I think they've just had a, a, a hate-filled campaign on Shea Gordon. Uh, the third and final one that we're going to talk about this week is uh, during the week, someone tweeted about how football is good for your mental health, especially if it's uh, the only thing some people have in their life right now during lockdown is there really isn't a huge amount to do. And then someone quote tweeted that, kind of criticising that, saying, is that, you know, like, surely not, no one has just football. But no, I really don't agree with that statement because, as as I've said, it's lockdown. You know, there's really, or it's just coming out of lockdown. There's really not been much to do this year. And if football's kept people going, watching just on stream, even though it's not as good as being there in person, watching that on stream, actually having something to look forward to during the week, if you've not got much on, especially if, you know, you're working from home and you're really not seeing people very much. You live by yourself. It might be one of the things you look forward to in the week and then you look forward to discussing it online afterwards. And it really is an important thing to people. And I don't think it should be, you know, trivialised that it really is some people what they'll only have to look forward to right now. I'll just echo your statement, especially that uh, no being a fuss about it might not benefit your, <laughs> your mental health positively. But um, no, but really it does... Um, it gives you a place to go and socialise people. I can I can say that with me personally. Um like me, me having Asperger's personally that I um I, I find it particularly difficult to like meet, make pals and that with the football. It's been it's probably one of the most easiest ways to do it. I get as as Jamie said, it, it gives you something to look forward to. It, it gives you that release valve, you know what I mean? Um, if you've had a tough week then I can go to football and you can shout at the referee or you know shout at the opposition or anything like that. You know, it, it, it is really important and for somebody to look down on that. Is, it's, uh, again, <laughs> um, it's shocking. Thanks again for listening to this social media blunder section. I uh, hope you enjoy it. If you've got any any comments to make on it, please feel free to leave a comment on the tweet or the Facebook post. And uh, from myself, thank you. And from Kieran as well. You're probably the most prolific tweeter on the podcast this week, so I'm going to ask you, when I was watching the game with David earlier, we were commenting on Forfar's Twitter feed and how sort of, it was almost, it was like a fan, basically venting. It wasn't very professional, but do you think that's what fans want? Do you think they want that sort of informal, biased fans view, or do you think they want a feed that's a bit more like Thistle's, where it just sort of tells you what's happening, and apart from when goals are scored and they go goal with lots of O's and A's um, it's pretty standard chance for Thistle, chance for Forfar type thing. What would you like to see? I, I think you uh, for a, obviously for a, like a club's official account you do need to have that like professional sort of like, standard but at the same time there, I think there's clubs that I think hearts of it's like a fan, it's, as you say it's like a fan tweeting. Um, 
personally, I think it. I think it's good. But when it's like that, you know, what I mean, it's a bit. You know, it provides a good bit of patter and uh, certainly no boring. You know what I mean? So I would. I would say that they can kind of have a have a balance between being professional because you don't want a like a cop going, oh, fuck's sake, fuck's sake, no that kind of stuff. But yeah, but um, you don't want it to be too professional at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, it's good to have. Uh, it'd be good to have that kind of mix. You know what I mean? I totally get what you mean, Kieran. I think it is good. It makes fans want to engage. Like I'd, I wanted to reply to Forfa's tweet today when they said that we had a goal and it was unbelievable because it would come from a, a foul that we'd made in the midfield. And I wanted to reply to that, but I thought, no, I'll wait. Because if I reply, if any, any Thistle fans reply, it's guaranteed Forfa will go and get something from the game. And they've got then ammunition to sort of use against us. But I suppose it depends what you're looking for when you go on Twitter, David. We were talking about Alwa's Twitter account as well. They have been quite quite salty in recent months. What do you make of it? I mean, with that, I think what one of the things is that I think one of the reasons why these things. So what, I mean, like the the famous one is um, is it Berwick Rangers last year told uh, sort of sorry somebody told the manager Johnny Harvey to go away and take his face for a shite and he get banned for it and stuff like that. I think the problem is is that if you have an account that's just all that all the time it can kind of dilute it and wear a wee bit thin. But if you have a straight line, like, for example, the, the, Fissle, the Fissle one with the the Ross Doherty reveal of the strip, when they, they um, lovingly ripped off uh, Manpreet's, uh, you know, anyone saying you kit boys, um, you know, that sort of thing, that worked because it's sort of out of character for them. That was why it was quite funny. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely there is room for it, but you need to be able to time it very well. Like if you just do it all the time, it can get a bit grating, but... The, the beauty is that they don't always do it, if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I, I do quite like Howler's sort of year in review. Sadly, we're not in the same league as them anymore, so we can't get uh, put on their yearly season video when they don't get relegated. But um, but yeah, I think there needs to be a juxtaposition of it. It's not just got to always be this. There's got to be some sort of levity with it. But no, it, it's good for a wee bit of fun part. We're now quickly joined by Rhys Aldane. Rhys, just quickly, can you tell us your thoughts on this the squad today? I'm buzzing with that today. Like once again, it wasn't convincing. Like we didn't score three or four goals, but it was solid, and that's what we need now. We're building consistency, like throughout the team. The back four and the keeper, like that's 450 plus minutes now. Five games without conceding a goal. I know all the praise has been around Senna, and deservedly so. He's been brilliant, but I'd, I'd like to praise Darren Brownlee as well. He's had to chop and change partner near enough, like every couple of games where it's been Oware, McKenna, Breen, and now Senna and Yang. So. The hat goes off to Darren Brownlee as well and Kieran Wright getting all the plaudits but he had another quiet afternoon today going forward I thought Gordon was really good I know some people are often critical of him say that he kind of goes through games and that but was that a goal and an assist today he was class we just controlled the game we never once looked like we were going to concede so happy days and then for young James Lyon from the academy to make his debut brilliant and then you look at today's result between Dumbarton and Cove with Dumbarton picking up three points against Cove Rangers. Luke makes our result against Dumbarton last week look arguably a lot better. So we've leapfrogged Cove into second place with Peterhead at home next week. So if we can pick up three points there, it's massive going into that huge six-pointer against Falkirk. Boxing Day could be a real, not season-defining moment, but a real big game t- towards a, the end result of this season. So Thistle have now kept five clean sheets in a row in all competitions. That's the first time we've done that in nearly eight years. Kieran, you've not been on the podcast in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to ask you this one. What's impressed you most about the defence during this run? Yeah, I say he is a centre. I think he's been 
uh, brilliant um, in defence. Um, I think he's built a, a strong partnership with Brownlee. I think the whole defence in general, with, um, I think uh, Richard Foster playing at left-back has been pretty decent. I don't know if he played well today particularly, but still will concede a goal. So I think, I think he's, he's doing well at left-back. And Brian Williamson being more attacking. Certainly, I think, um, I think the, the defence has um, improved greatly. Senna today, I, I loved the... I loved, uh, uh, Senna, I think, made a tackle uh, towards the end of the game, and all he heard from the call was, um, I think it was like, that's my boy, or something like that, shouting for the dugout. So, so I'd probably say the standout for me has been Senna, but really, the whole defence has, has improved. Jamie, Reese Breen was back on the bench today. We've still got Jamie Snedden out injured, Tamil Weir, Kieran McKenna. Do you think any of them are going to walk back into the team anytime soon, or do you think it's going to be a case of the, the back four and goalkeeper that are, are playing for us now are going to be there for most of the season now? Uh, I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't. I mean, McKenna did look good in the cup game, so I mean, I'm obviously disappointed for him not being the team. Tam aware, I was hoping this was going to be, you know, a season for him to kind of regain his confidence and be a, another very important player for us. But you know, unless we start playing five at the back, which I can't see any reason for McCall, you know, changing the, the system right now. It's a winning system currently, so I don't see why. I mean, we've not lost. We've not lost with this system, so I don't see why he'd suddenly change it. But unless we go on a bad run or there's an injury or something and he wants to change up the system and change up the personnel, I can't see them coming back into the side because, I mean, Senna and Brownlee, they've, been, they've both been brilliant at the back. Darren Brownlee is one of our best players, 100%. And Senna is, again, he's, he's young, but he's learning every single game and he's looking more and more assured every single week. He's, he's, just, you know, he's just soaking up to the coach's advices and it's just it's clearly having a good impact on his game. And he's, you know, he's keen to learn. I like saying that. He's got a good attitude and I'm happy for him that he's doing well. So I can't see any reason why they would get dropped, as it, like I said, unless it's injuries or we're on a bad run and McCall wants to change the system. But if McCall does change the system to like a five at the back, obviously aware and McKenna could come back in. And they could come back in any time. You never really know. But it's good we have a settled lineup, and I don't want to see it change right now. Our very own Manpreet is back for another dose of Can You Hear the Manpreet Sing? Manpreet. That's the game literally just done there, and all I can say is job done. Today's game kind of followed the, the normal pattern of Thistle games this season, as it seems we dominated more, near enough all of it, or in control, didn't at all look dangerous at the back, any time we did it was a half chance or a pop shot. I thought at half time we were unlucky to go on now now with us being one up, one up at half time would have been about a fair result. However, going from the back to the front, but at the back and even in the middle, we were super up solid again. Nobody put a foot wrong. There was little or no mistakes. Apart from a few moments in the first half when Foster just punted it down the line to nobody. We were solid. Senna again, just coming in, like, like when O'Ware and McKenna do come back, they they aren't just walking right back into that team. And you don't change a team that's been keep that's kept five clean sheets in a row. In the midfield, cut Williamson and Cardell again. Didn't do anything wrong. Good balls into the box. And on another day they've got an assist or two. Penrice and Foster down that left side. Penrice superb ball in for the first goal from Gordon. And then the second goal, I've not really seen it like a hundred like I've not seen the ball but we just went in the top corner because I'm recording this straight after the game. But nice nice play and finally it's good to see somebody else that isn't Brian Graham score a goal. Apart from Falkirk, nobody's really 
gave us any real problems in the league this season. It's just a case of when we, well, when will we score off first? And when the first comes, many more can we get. That is the case this season. Get Brian Graham. I love the guy to bits. He's been superb for us. But like, like games like today, a second striker in that box and we would have scored long before we did. Graham has to. We, we, need, we need another striker. We need Rudden or Sally in the fit as soon as possible because that is the difference currently now between us and Falkirk. However, it is... Shea Gordon, who has proved a lot of people wrong because there would have been a lot of people on Twitter that would have said, Shea Gordon, we aren't going to score now. And he goes and does the business and creates a goal as well. Now you're just hoping that if Gordon does come in for Murray, and I hope this Murray problem isn't bad because I hope it's not a bad injury. Uh, if he does come in for Murray, you need to hope Gordon can hit the, gl- the ground running and build this his momentum. Because the thing that we are lacking, and I've said it numerous times, the problem that we lack this season is we have no other goal scorer apart from Graham. It's just a case of relying on Graham. Whereas now, hopefully, this is the kick up the arse that Gordon needs and that he actually cements a first team spot. Three points, a clean sheet, and up to second now. I know obviously first is where we should be, but that's small, small, slowly but surely we're getting there. Now six behind Falkirk, which is eh, doable. They, they've not lost yet, but this is going to happen. obviously spoken a lot about personnel the last couple of weeks, mainly due to the fact we've not had much personnel to choose from. But I'm going to ask you about the sort of system we're playing now. It's a 4-4-1-1. We did speak before the league campaign started that it looked like we'd either, we'd either play a back three this season to allow two strikers in the, for, the shape of running Graham up front, or play a 4-3-3, which would allow us to play Lions and Murray out wide. None of that's really materialised, mainly down to injury. I'll just open it up to you. Are you happy with the 4 4 one, one? Do you think that's contributing to how solid we've looked, even though we're not the most exciting? Do you think that'll be the shape we, McCall plays for most of the season? I definitely am happy with it. And I definitely think that is part of the reason we've been so solid in the back. I mean, Doc, Doc and Banzo in the midfield, they just control the game. You can really see it. They really do control the game. They're good defensively. They're good breaking up the play. They're good at passing. And in the back, you've, I mean, that's the line in front of Senna and Brownlee. So, effectively, those four, that line of uh, the first line of Banzo and Doc, and then the line of Senna and Brownlee, they're just, you know, a real menace to get past. Very, very difficult for opposition players to get past them. And the fullbacks, they've been good as well. I mean, Wilson's been good going forward. He looks like he's done a, he's definitely improved defensively, I think. And Foster's looking good in that left back role. Penrice obviously can defend in midfield, but he's also good at going forward. So, I think. As much as it may look negative to an outsider about why we've got so many defensive players in the park, it's working well and I'm happy with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we have kind of have to fight fire with fire in this league in the sense that a lot of teams are just going to sit back and be very stodgy and hard to break down, just really annoying. You know, when you're trying to put passes in, just sticking a foot out and letting it go flying and stuff like that so that you don't get through. And just generally frustrating teams like ourselves and Falkirk and Cove. And I think... With that, you, you kind of have to 
again, fight fire with fire. I think you need to be frustrating to them. Obviously, there's not going to be the play for their chances that, you're, that they'll get compared to, say, a team like, for example, Dundee United last year, or even like, you know, for example, a Dunfermline or something like that. You know, teams that, you know, at the Championship or whatever were a bit more forthright and able to get through. These teams don't have that sort of proficiency in the sense that they're going to take their chances when they can get them. And making yourself just really, really annoying and hard to break down is a key thing for that because they're not going to get many chances. You, you reducing the amount of chances they're going to get even further is going to stand you in good stead with that. And I, I agree. Like, I think that the formation is really, really working. They're really finding their feet with it. You can see players really finding their position and their role and using it effectively and becoming better and better at it. I mean, you can see with Banzo and Doc every week, we talk about how they've been getting better and better each week in terms of, you know, just being able to partner together. And you can see that the partnerships are coming together and the more that they play together, the more you see that, you know, that they're really working as a formation. I don't think you want to be tinkering with that in terms of throwing out mad, you know, three, four, three formations. Like, like, you know, stick with what's working and these people are really settling into this formation. And I think it's, you know, it's working really well. Don't tinker with it. We don't need to be playing Cruyff in total football. Do you know what I mean? We just need to be winning games and we're winning games and we're not conceding goals. You can't really ask for much more for a team in League One. This week, to preview the home game against Peterhead, David Forrest spoke to Peterhead fan Alex Green. In the northeast of Scotland, as a team was supporting in the ground we call Balmore. They make the other team look like they play the Sunday league, so we follow the blue too. What beat ahead, what beat ahead, a join in with the tune. What beat ahead, what beat ahead, the boys who play in blue. Well, we sing when we're winning and we'll sing when we're fishing and we'll sing louder than you. And we support the team that is bound to win the league, so we so now I'm joined by Peterhead fan Alex Green um, to preview this week's upcoming game against Peterhead. Hello, Alex. How are you? I'm good. How's you? Good to hear from you. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to we're we're on a bit of a we're on the crest of a wave at the moment a wee bit, so we're we're kind of looking forward to this game. But um, from a Peterhead perspective, how's your recent form been? How, how have you felt the season's panned out so far? The season's panned out as expected. To tell you the truth, um, with being such a far up northeast club. It's hard to get players to come up, obviously. Um, and I think we've lost a couple of key players last season because of the COVID, because they were travelling so far. And you couldn't have blamed them, to tell you the truth. Greg, Greg Fleming being the main one, he was a really good goalkeeper for us. And a guy called uh, Leach, who went to Stirling Albion, obviously closer to home. Um, he was a, a big key player for us in the last couple of seasons. Obviously, your heart tells you you're going to win the league by 50 points. But, <laughs> and realistically, your head... As a Peterhead fan, I was expecting 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere around there. Hopefully not ninth or 10th. That was my real realistic expectations for the season. And I think we're just about where we should be, if you know what I mean. I mean, like, in terms of Peterhead's base, I know like sort of clubs and stuff like that, they, they struggle and they have to kind of pluck from certain places. So are Peterhead's players coming from like down south? I say down south, I mean like Glasgow, or Glasgow, Edinburgh, or are they coming from Aberdeen? What's your sort of catchment area with that sort of? Well, that was the thing with Greg Fleming. He was actually, believe it or not, travelling from Annan. <laughs> um, yeah. But he enjoyed it. We've got a reputation of looking after players when they come up. They get a hotel the night before. If it's a home game, obviously away games is totally different. They're probably closer to away games than our boys are. Um, but they get a hotel if, if required up in the town. 
um, and I believe you know by all accounts they get really well looked after at the club. I mean, there's been various players that have played up there that have said it's a really good. You get well looked after. And we have to do something like that again to to attract players. But most of our players are generally from the Dundee area because of obviously Jim McAnally's contacts and that and that sort of part of the world. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, in terms of the players that you do have, who is your key threats, so to speak? Who is the, who is the people that have kind of shone, shone out for you over the season so far? This season, it's obviously Scott Brown, um, ex St. Johnson, Scott Brown. We were very happy to hold on to him because Falkirk were sniffing about him to offer him full-time football, which, you know, again, it's one of these things, if you're a part-time club, you can never stand in the way of people getting full-time football. Um a bit of a last minute, as I mentioned earlier on, Greg Fleming left, he was a, a really good goalie. Um, we kind of were without a goalie. I think it was, I think we had one goalie signed um, just at our last pre-season game, a young lad called Lenny Wilson. But we got a guy called Josh Array, who's, who's probably been about our best signing, if that makes sense, along with Scott Brown staying um, up front. Stevie Boyd, we were expecting good things of him, but he seems to be prone to injuries. Um again um, we've got a young lad from Dundee called Lyle Cameron who scored against Falk he scored for us in both last two games who seems to be coming on to a game. You obviously mentioned about injuries and stuff like that. I imagine being a team like Peterhead who are not necessarily um recruiting from their local parish, so to speak. Um obviously every every club is feeling the pinch in terms of injuries and things like that. And obviously COVID it must be a bit difficult for uh, players and stuff like that in terms of getting them to trade and things like that if you get people coming from dis- different councils and stuff like that have you have, have Peterhead felt that or have they managed to negate that a little bit well we, we, we've actually trained at Forfar for years we've we actually trained at Forfar um, and it's been it seems to work well for us with obviously a lot of our guys from the Aberdeen area and most of our other ones from Dundee, so it's kind of half and half for them to travel, if that makes sense. It's, it works out quite well. Yeah, and do you have any sort of injuries or suspensions that are, are notable for yourselves at the moment? I know we've had other teams, ourselves included, but I'm, I know speaking to like people uh, last week, you know, from Forfar, and uh, we looked at it from Dumbarton as well, lots of teams seem to be struggling to field full benches uh, because of injuries and things and that has that been something that's happened to Peter Head recently? Yes. Um, ever since the first game the first sort of Betfred game against Dundee United, we've never had a full strength team. I think at one point we were eight players missing from our full team. Um I think it's down to about three or four now. It's it's but it's you get somebody like Cy Ferry comes back for one game and that's him back out again. He may be fit for this week. You never know. Uh, Gary McKenzie, the big centre-half we signed from St Mirren, who obviously a bit of a vet then, but kinda, you normally need one of them if you're a part-time table or league. He seems to be in and out again, you know, back for a game, out for two. So, to be honest, I couldn't tell you because it's just been so random that players have been out and in. It just seems to change every day, let alone week. Yeah, it's, I think in every team it seems to be, has these problems where you just every every team is just obviously there's going to be factors in terms of it's a shortened season it's getting colder and um you know it's harder to train because of restrictions and things like that but um it, it just seems to be widespread um at the moment with the injuries so I'm, I'm not surprised that you're having difficulty with it 
one question I had to ask, um, obviously Peterhead's quite renowned amongst uh, Scottish football fans, has been quite cold at the best of times. Well, no Clyde. <laughs> well, th- but this was a fi- this was a piece of contention on the podcast because I said that Clyde was the coldest, and my co-host he was like, no, Peterhead, absolutely no doubt, Peterhead. So as a source of contention as to who is colder, Clyde or Peterhead, and the fact that you're saying Clyde, yeah, I I I wouldn't be inclined to agree with you with that. But um, do you miss the cold? Um, I miss the I miss the cold, and then obviously with our social club, you can nip in at half time and have a warm up if that makes sense. But yeah, so we have. Yeah, I do, I do. As I said, being born and brought up in Peterhead, I don't find it cold. Um, even though I've I've lived down in Fife now for nearly fifteen years, <laughs> but I still um don't well you still feel it, but you learn to wrap up against it, but. I'm like you, every time I go to Clyde, it's freezing, be it August or January. <laughs> yeah. So, well, how how do you fi- feel it will pan out for Peterhead this season? Do you feel that they're going to achieve their goal of being at 6-7, or do you think it's going to be a struggle till the end of the season? No, I th- I, th- I think I think we're going to end up 7th, 8th, 6th, 7th, 8th, but it's, it's just going to be a struggle um, for the rest of the season. Um, a big blow a couple of weeks ago, getting beat by 4 for 1-0 at home. That's a sick the game you were looking to pick up points um, mm-hmm. and then the week later we went to Falkirk and we run them pretty close 2-1 and at the end of the, the last 5-10 minutes Falkirk were actually you know getting booked for wasting time which is, is in the bizarre world of Scottish football you know <laughs> last week against East Fife I thought or last Saturday we were worthy winners I think I mean if you've got the chance to see the goal the second goal by Scott Brown's an absolute screamer basically 30-yard volley come from a corner, so headed out, just straight volley, smack, bang, goal. Lovely. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, we'll end up where we are just now, but it's going to be a struggle, basically. I think all the teams around us, Forfa, Clyde, East Fife, which is a surprise, that's the four teams, and as long as we pick up points against them, I'm quite confident we'll see where we are. And your prediction for a score... On Saturday? Oh, I'm a football fan. 7-0 Peter Hayden, obviously. Oh, of course. I. <laughs> um, I would... In, that's the, that's the heart, head saying low score in one each draw. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on the pod. It was great to speak to you. If any of my Thistle mates are, are listening, hi to them. Uh, they Obviously, they'll know me by Aki, is my nickname. Um, so if the boys are listening... I'll hopefully we'll get together so we can have a baby.
So next week we play Peterhead at home. This is the last of a five-game run, which we targeted about a month ago now after that we drew it home to Falkirk. We've picked 10 out of 12 points up so far. If we win next week, it's 13 out of 15. We did want 15, but I think we've improved a lot in the last the last month or so. Jamie, what are you expecting and what are you hoping from next week? Just a... Uh... I'd love, I'd love a big win. I've been saying this for ages, and as I said multiple times, that stupid stat that's haunting us for over five years, we've not scored more than three goals in the league. I just want us to end that. I'd love us to win 4-0 or something next week. Just get a very comfortable win, get inject some more confidence into the squad attacking-wise. Another clean sheet. A clean sheet and three points is the main priorities. If we can get another clean sheet, that means that the five games that we were targeting as all must-wins, we kept the clean sheet in all of them, which is a success in itself. But... Obviously, it's annoying that we didn't win against the Barton, but overall, if we got four wins and a draw, it's not a terrible run. That's it's still a good run to be on, even though we should have won the Dumbarton game. So as long as we get the three points next week and hopefully keep a clean sheet, I am happy. But I would love us to get some more goals. You know, get Brian Graham score one or two, maybe get a few other goals across the park. As I've been saying for a, a, quite a while, that we don't have a goal-scoring defender and we've kind of missed that for years. So I'd love if someone got a goal a defender and. You know, maybe Penrace, because uh, he's obviously playing in midfield, but he is still a defender. Or Williamson, someone just popping up for goal, and they can maybe pop up for another few up, up across the season and just get some more confidence in the team, basically. One thing I'd say about that, actually, you mentioned about a goal-scoring defender and stuff like that. There's one person that seems perfect for that. Senna would be the perfect candidate for a goal-scoring defender. Not in terms of his ability or anything, but in terms of he's shown so much progression this year and has learned so much and his game has really came on. That sort of final piece of the puzzle would be him getting a goal and the amount of confidence that would give him as well. Because you can see it week to week, the confidence that he's got. A goal would just really top it off. And absolutely, it's you, you could you see that. I, I, I feel that if he could get a goal or two, I feel that he, he could really work it into his game a wee bit. And you know, in the past games, he's had a tendency to kind of maraud upfield a wee bit. And he played at number 10. Um, a couple of weeks ago as well so I think just having I would love Senna to get a goal realistically I think that would be it because I think it would be immeasurable the confidence that they give him I'd love a goal scoring defender too I think Darren Brownlee still scored more goals against us than he has for us he scored the winner for Queens last season at Forhill I was sort of hoping Tamil Ware would be that guy but it's not really worked out for him but if if Senna wants to sort of pick up the baton and run with it then go for it because I think all sort of all great teams seem to have a goal-scoring defender. Like you look at Liverpool just now with Van Dijk. I know he's injured, but he, he scores plenty of goals. Uh, Chelsea had it for years with John Terry. We had it for a while with Muirhead. Good, successful teams do seem to have that, and I think it would it would be nice to see Senna score. Kieran, what are you hoping for and expecting to see next week? Maybe in terms of the starting eleven and performance, what would you like to see? Probably just more of the same. If it's true that Murray's out, hopefully it's just a wee knock that he's picked up. But um, I would kind of like uh, Gordon slotting into his role, just kind of really keeping the the same starting lineup that's been working. Uh, really, that that's not been conceding and that's been getting his results. Performance wise. Again, uh, that start, uh, no scoring more than three goals, as, as, as Jamie said, has is, is been eluding us uh, for about five years. We've not really won convincingly. Obviously, we've been getting results, and that's that's what me, that that's what matters the most. But hopefully, um, we get the result. You know, what I mean, on uh, just before the Falkirk game, because that, that is a six pointer. So hopefully, we we do get the win and be putting a good shift in the lead up to that massive game away to Falkirk. David and Jamie, I know we were discussing this in the group chat earlier this week, but Jamie Fleming, a friend of the show, has once again brought this to our attention. What do you make of the 
the ultra pages that have sort of popped up on Instagram in recent weeks? Uh, I mean, the I I think they might all be run by the same people, to be honest. Uh, yeah, obviously we were looking at that one in the group chat. I can't quite remember what it was named, but it's selling like smoke bombs. It's selling uh, selling baseball bats, personalised baseball bats with thistle stickers. <laughs> it was doing a giveaway for a half season ticket. Um, uh, yeah, it was quite a funny account to, to look at. And that giveaway, I'm, I'm interested to see who wins that half season ticket. Uh, they're they're interesting to say the least, but. You know, it gave us a good laugh, to be fair. But I'm interested to see with these baseball bats if they're going to show up. They then they then posted something else about we don't we're not promoting violence, but we're selling personalised baseball bats to take to the games with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite a funny account, to be honest. I uh, the question I have, I have to ask you, Jamie, about this is: they're selling half season tickets. Do they mean a season ticket for half a season, or do they mean a child's season ticket, as in like a half season ticket? Because as far as we can see. They all seem to be about 11 years old. So there was an exchange on Instagram. Their name is Patek Thistle to Loyalists, um, if you want to find them, because they actually cannot spell. It's quite funny. But there is a, 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 a probably about an 18 comment interaction of someone asking them how old they are and them going, never mind. And then they say 13 then. And they went, no. And he says, all right, so you're 12 then. And then they just called them a homophobic slur. It's very bizarre. Um, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't, I don't get it. Like in terms of like, don't sell baseball bats. I love the idea that someone's mom's going to be clearing out their room and find like forty baseball bats underneath their bed with like thistle stickers on them. It's mental. But um, yeah, it's 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 really strange. Don't set up smoke bomb displays in the canal. But I I do I do condone them for one thing because they call Manpreet a prick on Instagram and I find that quite funny. So you know, total support for the thistle to oils. And that's an endorsement. <laughs> but that, to, to Manpreet that is an endorsement you being called a prick uh, but yeah Mike um, he stole all of Manpreet's pictures of the display from uh, the Rangers games and stuff like that and he called them out going why are you stealing all, all our displays and saying they're yours despite the fact you're 10 and then they called him a prick um, so yeah you know um, long, may they, long may they continue um, even into like you know second year of school because I know it can get a bit tough when you get extra classes and all that this week myself and David Forrest are going to look at Grief Sports Christmas range to see what you can fill your loved one's stockings with this year Me and Matt here to give you a consumer guide to the best thistle gifts to buy your loved ones for Christmas uh, out of the Grieve Sports catalogue. Uh, we've got some ones that are a bit strange, some ones that are genuine 100% stores. Matt, do you want to go with your first one? Um, you want to go with your weird one first? Uh, the, the first weird one I'm going to talk about is the club underwear that's on Grieve Sports. It's a bit of a strange one. I think it's produced by the company Bobags. We've also got a partnership with the Scottish FA. I think you'll know if you've got a membership with them. They're obviously trying to tap into the football market. 
I just think it's strange. I think there was obviously a feature on the terrace uh, with Robert Bothwick in the social media section a, a week or two ago about clubs determined to put their, their badge on everything. I'm not sure why you would need a Partick Thistle badge or numerous Partick Thistle badges on um, your underwear. Um, if anyone sees you on your underwear, I, I don't think they want to see Partick Thistle badges, but it's novelty, so good luck to them. Uh, it very much feels like a uh, I, I, I one you wear to work, you know, you're not really expecting anything for the night, you're just going to work and coming home and then, aye, uh, it's not not when you be going out to the Suave Sav or anything and put it that way um, and, and you know, try to, try to uh, get lucky or anything like that. But yeah, it's very strange. I made the joke on uh, Twitter that it's very apt that they make part of Fistle Boxer shots because we've uh, supported bollocks anyway for about four or five years, so that makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, it, very strange. I know novelty underwear is a thing. Uh, but yeah, £16.50 is quite expensive for boxer shorts as it is anyway. But a bit odd, but I can kind of see them, you know, with a tie in, you know, doing that. My first one is the Partick Thistle Poker Chip on sale at Grieve Sports. Um, it's a poker chip that you, you literally you just use when you're playing poker. Now, countless accumulators have told me over the years Never gamble with anything involving Partick Thistle because you'll just lose your money. And I feel that this is going to be the exact same. It's two pounds, so it's you know, it's it's not breaking the bank. Well, it's not breaking the bank when you buy it. It's breaking the bank when you play it in a game and inevitably lose your life savings because you used a Thistle poker chip. But it's it's a very strange. And I was looking at there was quite a few things and. We always, I think we always find that, you know, if people think of Fisco fans, there is a stereotype of us being, you know, students, you know, um, sort of West End wankers, so to speak. But there is a sort of other um, sort of stereotype that lesser known. Yeah, you're more affluent sort of fans, you know, from Mogai, Bears Den, Knightswood, Jordan Hill. Those are sort of quite affluent, well-off areas, so to speak. There's quite a lot of well-off people there, and they're, they're very much catering for that on the Greaves website because there's a lot of, you know, people who play poker, a lot of golf things. I've seen like a pitchmaster for putting in, you know, like where your ball lands and stuff like that. Like, like, like absolute smorgasbord of golf accessories you, with fistful badges on it. You don't play golf, do you, David? <laughs> no, no, I, I played golf once in my life and I got asked to leave because I made divots in the course. So I don't think I'll be going back for a second one. Um, if you could get this on like Tiger Woods PGA Tour or something like that, then maybe, you know, as DLC, perhaps. But um, no, actual golf, I'm, I'm not a fan myself. It's uh, the old joke, it's a good walk wasted. Um, but yeah, we, we see there's very much... Uh, a good market of golf stuff here that to cater to the affluent sort of Thistle fan, and the poker chip as well is very much a, sim- a symbol of that. But I would I would stress to you, again, don't gamble with anything involving Partick Thistle. It never works. My next weird one is, is a Partick Thistle rubber duck. I, I think I'll keep this one quite short because I don't really know how to expand on it. But <laughs> what are you going to do with a rubber duck? And why do you need a Partick Thistle badge on it? That's all I've got to say. But I, I good mean, luck, good luck to them. I know, I, I know. Like, I, I mean, I will say, right, that <laughs> this, this, this segment was kind of born out of my wife panicking last week that she didn't have enough for me for my Christmas and going through the Greaves catalogue and going, there's quite a lot of weird stuff on here. And uh, she mentioned the rubber duck sheet. 
she she quite wanted to buy one until I told her that we have a shower. And she's like, oh, aye, that's, it's, it's not as good. I suppose if you have a bath, you know, you can't, there's nothing wrong with a rubber duck, but I mean, it's not exactly a primo purchase. Yeah, a, a rub, it's a duck, it's rubber, it's got patty thistle on it. I don't think there's too much else um, to elaborate on that one. My next one is, now this is, this is a deep cut, right? But you can buy this on the Greaves store, because I checked this today. You can buy, and I'm not joking, on the Greaves store, um, Cat Harvey's autobiography, Cat's Whispers, in the Partick Fiscal section, uh, <laughs> for a pound. Now, what this is, right, This, uh, for those who don't know, Cat Harvey was a radio DJ on Real Radio on The Breakfast Show. I don't, I don't know if she's still doing it. I don't listen to the radio. I've not listened to radio in years. Um, but she was quite a well-known... I think radio Real Radio uh, died before Rangers. Yes, we radio did die before Rangers, but um, she was uh, quite a famous DJ. She was quite well prominently featured in the in her Total Cup film, the excellent one done by Craig Walker um, on the club YouTube that I definitely recommend. She's been a journalist for many, many years, but she's also you know done the Real Radio Breakfast Show, and it's her autobiography. And it, for some reason, she is a she is a Fissile fan. She has been pretty much all her life, and she talks about it in her, in her Total Cup film. For some reason, um, Greaves, this would have been the original Greaves. This would have been when you used to be able to go in and buy your Greaves shirt a long, long time ago. And um, they, they just sold it as a party Fissile merchandise. I don't, I don't even think it has much in terms of Fissile content in it, but it's a pound. So, you know, if if you're looking for a cheap stocking filler, Cat Harvey's autobiography, Cat's Whispers. It's a weird shout, but it is a shout. Imagine getting that in 2020 in your Christmas stocking. <laughs> But yeah, I know I've pro- we've probably been quite down on what Greaves have to offer, and I know that wasn't like the intention of this feature. But my last one is like one I think everybody will want. It's the it's the club Geely that um, was made famous by Alan Archibald. Uh, who who wouldn't want to look like Alan Archibald? Really, is the big <laughs> question you've got to ask yourself. Um, I don't think anyone would sort of turn down the chance to to don to don an Archibald Geely. It's winter, it's, it's seasonal, but in Scotland, it's, it's useful all year round. And that that is one thing that I think does deserve and is worthy of a club logo on it as an, as an Archibald Geely, as they are now trademarked. Yes, the Archie Geely, it absolutely is. You would think that this would have got a wee bit more publicity because it is the Archie Geely. Like it is full on just the... Imagine getting a, it's a managerial artifact. It's literally, you know, synonymous with a manager. Like, imagine it takes you to top six and stuff like that. I know it's not officially called the Archie Geely, but it always will be his. And it's a great, it's a genuinely great piece of fashion. Well, not fashion, a great piece of attire. And I would definitely wear it. It looks great. It's it's probably dead warm. And, and you get to pretend to be Archie. What more could you possibly want from a gift at Christmas? And my final pick, um, Honourable mention to the Thistle Mania Hulk Hogan t-shirt that you can buy on Greaves Sports, which I think is they're not amazingly not the first SPFL club to have that shirt, but still I agree a great wee addition. I believe um, Mark Wallace has a shirt, but um, we we have to both agree the retro shirts are incredible. Unless you're a complete miserableist, you can't fail to just be beguiled buy them they're 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 amazing like they're really really good and i know that they're not the exact shirt that they were at the time 
you know, the whole man the away shirts. But even then, they are proper, like, great shirts. And you've got Textile World on it, my favourite logo on a official shirt. You, you just can't beat them. I totally agree, David. I got mine, mine delivered last week, and it's obviously not exactly the same. I, I'm not sure you, they're allowed to make them exactly the same for, like, obviously some legal reasons, but it's as, it's as good a replica as I've seen, and I'm, I know me and I think Kieran from the podcast who have picked one up in the last couple of weeks were really chuffed with it. And I think, as you said, unless you, unless you are completely down on everything the club is doing, I think you can only be impressed with what Greaves Sports have done so so far this season. As everyone was quite excited when we sort of rekindled the, the partnership in the summer. And I think they've done some great work. The Christmas range is excellent. I know we've taken the mick out of it a wee bit, but if... If you're looking for stocking fellas, it's the, it's the place to go for Thistle fans. Absolutely. I mean, in contrast to um, TTL, I mean, we we all were very down in TTL. Like, I remember last year the Pride shirt sold out in like November. You just couldn't get things and things like that, and it was you know very limited quality quantities. They didn't really have that much in terms of Thistle gift ideas. It was literally the shirts, the trackies, and the training top. And that was about it. Like you didn't really get much else, and you had to go out to Port Dundas to get it, and it was a pain in the ass. And they wouldn't even accept like you know cards that you pay up and stuff like that. They don't accept those or anything like that. And it's just like just it was really hard to just buy stuff off of them. Like my my wife will like regularly buy me like Thistle stuff and all that, and she was just always like it's just a fucking nightmare trying to buy anything off of them or like you know get in touch with them or anything like that. But Greaves. It's not hard. You you know, it's in literally in the middle of town. And like that's the thing, is I think we were all really excited about the thing that Greaves is that for people say like ten, fifteen years ago, when you're a fiscal fan, it was that pilgrimage going into Greaves, having the fiscal display on, on the window you know, on Sucky Hall Street, um, or Gordon Street, being able to just walk past and see a fiscal top and just go in on the launch day, like, you know, and buy it was just a really nice Part of uh, part of your fandom being able to do that, and then like it just wasn't the same going to a mad industrial estate in Port Dundas that you couldn't really find, and you know it was yeah it, it wasn't the best. So I'm I'm really really happy the Greaves are back because it's it it really is it gives the club a bit more visibility and it just makes you feel more excited as a fan being able to go in and just buy your shirt and it's in town and stuff you can just ju- uh, jump in or whatever you don't have to make your way out to do it. Um, so no, I definitely we we we've obviously taken the mic, but I would definitely say I, I love all these things like, in terms of these weird things. They are gift ideas, and the more the more there is, you know, the the more range there is for for you to buy stuff and all that. And like, yeah, definitely long may continue.
Joining us this week for another player interview is Kieran McKenna, who's going to talk about his career, his time at Thistle so far, and his very own podcast. Joined this week by Jag centre back Kieran McKenna. Kieran, hello, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll just start with your early career. Um, you left the youth set up at Celtic to take up a, a scholarship with the Duke University in North Carolina. Uh, yeah. Was this a decision you made with a view to a footballing career or a view to a career outside of football? Um, a little bit of both. I still, I still had. Uh, Obviously, my dream is still to play professional football, and if I'm being honest, it was really, if you'd have told me that I'd have made that decision when I was 15, I'd, I wouldn't have believed you, because I grew up a Celtic fan, I was I joined the club when I was 8-9, and my dream was always to honestly get a professional contract there and play for the first team, but then when I was in fourth year, 16 years old, they offered me the three-year contract, and I was sitting my national fives, and I was expected to do really well in them and then I ended up doing really well in those exams and I thought why would I leave school when I don't really have any proper qualifications I still don't have any hires and I thought it's only one more year staying at school and then I can go full time for Celtic so then I told him I was going to do my fifth year and do my hires and then sign full time and then kind of halfway through that year I was thinking again again I'm still only 17, I've still got so much time to have a good professional career, then I need to go full-time so early and give up so much like opportunity in education. And so I just kind of started looking into the scholarship in America without really having made my mind up, but once I went and visited Duke University, it's one of the best kind of universities in the world, and as soon as I visited it, I just knew that I could turn it down. And I mean, a degree there is worth like... $250,000 and I was getting it for pretty much nothing uh, through a scholarship so I just thought it was far too good to turn down. It was obviously a, a really tough decision uh, to leave Celtic but if I look it's obviously so hard to break into the Celtic's first team and I, I thought the level over in America was kind of similar to reserves in Scotland and so I thought I can spend kind of the next two or three years in Scotland playing under 20 football for Celtic or I could go over to America play at a similar level really good level with top class facilities and infrastructure and at the same time get a really good degree and also experience living in America for three and a half years so when I looked at it from that angle I thought it was a no-brainer and I don't regret it I think it was really good for me how was your time over there? Would you? It's quite an unusual career path, I think, for players in Scotland. Would you? Would you recommend it to others? Uh, I absolutely would recommend it. Again, it's it's probably not for everyone. Um, I've always been pretty keen to learn things and to to get degrees and, and to learn that way. And so, if if you're into that, then I think it's absolutely for you. But again, I was lucky that I was at one of the best universities, and it was. 
they're competing at the kind of in the best conference in the best division in the country because there's so many different levels in America in college football. There's so many different leagues and different divisions. So I think if you're competing in the top one, then I would recommend it to everyone. Um, and I think it's becoming more popular now. I think in the past it was kind of even when I made my decision, it was more of a backup. It was more of well, if you don't get a professional contract here in Scotland then you can maybe go to America, but I think now I was maybe one of the first to see that as maybe a first choice, and I think now you're seeing a sort of turn where more boys are seeing it as a, a real option, and I think you're seeing more boys go out there now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you returned to Scotland in 2019, you had spells at Falkirk and Hamilton. Was that was it always the plan to come back, and how did those moves come about? Um... I think when I first went to America, I was always, I quite liked the idea of staying in America and playing after college, but being an international, being a foreign student, it's really hard to then get, if you don't have any professional experience, the MLS teams and stuff aren't really going to take you from college, they want to see that you've proved yourself at a professional level, and I could have maybe went and played in the second or third league in America, but I was, I played in that kind of level on my summers there and I played for teams like that and I didn't think I thought it would be more of a chance to come back to Scotland I think I would have I thought I would develop more if I came back to Scotland so I came back and it was just about finding the right level because I was then 20 years old and I didn't have I had to kind of get first in football I didn't want to go anywhere and play reserves type of thing so I was trying to find the level where I think I could play first team every week and I went on trial at Falkirk and I was there for a week and then they signed me and um, I was lucky enough that the gaffer there really liked me and I spent the next six months playing every week for them which was the, the absolute thing I needed and it was like the kind of perfect scenario for me. Uh, I think I developed a lot there and I learned a lot and it was unfortunate that the team that Falk could get relegated at the end of the season but I enjoyed, I enjoyed my time there despite that. And then obviously then the move came about to Hamilton and again I, I really liked the gaffer there. Brian Rice and I thought that was a really good move for me to go and develop further and get a lot of first team football and it's things started off great and pre-season was going well and I played in the cup games and then first kind of similar to what just happened to me right now at Partick Thistle so I then got injured the first big game of the season at Ross County and then that one that one was probably worse than the injury I just suffered just now at Partick and I went two or three months not sure about getting an operation and I tried to come back with but it was too painful and then I came back and then I finally got an operation and then by the time I came back from the operation I was back for four weeks and then lockdown happened so that pretty much was my time my, my one season at Hamilton um, and then also signed for Thistle in the summer ah, you, men- you mentioned lockdown there how difficult has it been for footballers during lockdown and when when you signed for Thistle how was that signing different because it was made during uh, a lockdown yeah it was I mean, it's also something that nobody's ever experienced. And for the first uh, couple of months, I had my flatmate with me who played with me at Hamilton. And we were just trying to keep fit. We had no idea whether it was going to last for three weeks or whatever. And so then we were just keeping fit. And then we started to realise this could last for, you know, months. So then he went home. He's from Norway. So then he went home to Norway. So now I was just going to flat myself. And... I was a bit demented sometimes, but I was lucky that the weather was really good, and then 
things started opening up a little, so that I could go around and see my family and my friends and stuff. Um, but I, I think during lockdown, it was mainly just you had you could see that it was you were going to get back to football eventually, and that kind of just kept you going in terms of going out running and keeping your fitness up and doing the right things, and that kind of that aim that training will start soon kind of gets you going. Um, and then I was, I think I was lucky that I would start Hamilton and so I could, we started premiership clubs, obviously started back before everyone else and then I went and done the pre-season with Hamilton, got a really good pre-season and we played, a, played, played in some friendly matches and then when the league started, that's when I signed for Thistle, so I'd already had a pre-season under the belt and stuff, so I think that set me up really well for coming into Thistle and kind of doing another pre-season and getting right into the games. What were the, the key factors in your decision to join Thistle in the summer? I'd played so much football at Falkirk and I'd went to Hamilton hoping I would play a lot of football there. Things didn't work out, but then again, it's just a, like, I really want to get back playing every week um, and playing a lot of football. And I had options in the Championship and I could have signed there, but when Thistle got interested, I, I think, you know, I really like Thistle as a club. Obviously, I'm kind of from Glasgow. Like, I live right outside Glasgow and I love Glasgow. And this was a huge club in Glasgow with a ton of history. I think they're a bigger club than a lot of clubs in the Championship and they're expressing interest in me. And I just think the, the idea of signing for Thistle and helping them be successful again and getting promotion and, you know, helping them kind of win every week, um, that was a, a, a big pull. And obviously the manager there, um, I've got a lot of respect for him and he's obviously got a great kind of past and success. Uh, and I just, I, I looked at the squad and I just thought the squad was really strong, a lot of good players. And I just kind of wanted to be a part of that and, and try and contribute as much as I could. Absolutely. And um, what have you made of the sort of coaching and the, the standard of the your teammates so far? Oh, it's been, it's been brilliant. Um, I would say, like I just said there, I, I do a little bit about the squad. I've looked at it before signing, but since I've signed it, the stand and the quality has been brilliant and I think you guys have seen that in a lot of games this year but maybe there's been times where we could have gotten better results but I think in most of the games we've played really good football we've dominated the majority of games and from my, in my opinion I think we're playing a lot of exciting stuff and there's a lot of quality there and I can see that kind of since day one and it's just been brilliant um, since I've been and I've really enjoyed it you obviously played a handful of games at the start of the season before you picked up your injury. How big a difference do fans make at League One level where you're maybe not used to like raucous atmospheres that you see in the Premier League or yeah. the Champions League? How big how big a, does it make a huge difference at that level? Um, I think it makes a difference. I think especially at a club at Partick, like Partick Thistle. I mean, I played... I played twice against, well, three times against Thistle actually, but especially those two times I played against them when I was at Falkirk, home and away. Um, when I played, when we played at Fur Hill, you know, I think it was three, four, maybe five thousand there. It was, and the atmosphere was brilliant. And then even when we played at Falkirk Stadium, the travelling support, there was a large travelling support. So I knew, and that was also one of the big factors in saying, and I knew the fans of Thistle and I went past it there how good a following they bring. And so I think for a club like Thistle, you do miss it a lot. And I think it's a huge advantage, especially at home. But um, but I think it's honestly something, I think we've got used to it very quickly. I think the first few times, 
it was a little bit strange, but I think now it just kind of seems like the norm. And I think when fans do come back, it will be a bit strange, to be honest, when they do finally come back. But obviously that's what we all want and that's what everyone would prefer. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to that. Um, Just moving away from football a bit, uh, I think you've mentioned them, but maybe not by name. You host a a podcast with the Morton centre-back Marcus uh, Fjortoft called Bropod. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so Marcus and I, we've been friends for, you know, three or four years. He was the year above me at Duke, so we spent three years playing there and we were pretty close. And then I came back to Scotland and played for Falkirk for six months. He was over in New Zealand playing professional over there. And then my uh, he kind of got a trial at Hamilton and Hamilton was going to send a few centre-backs at the time. And I'd already kind of spoke to Hamilton a little and then it just kind of happened we both get signed in the summer um, a kind of random thing and then so when he came over here I was just moving out of my house at that point and moving into flats so then he came over with me so we've been living with each other for the past year and a half after a few months you're so used to over in America you're so used to playing football but then also studying and going to class and taking exams and reading and everything and you're so busy so when when you then are a professional footballer and you're home at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and, you, and then you kind of feel bored the rest of the day and you're trying to fill your time and we were kind of always thinking about things that we could do to kind of keep us busy outside football because I think it's also a, a good advantage to have something else to kind of distract you and take away from football at times and um, we we were both listening to a lot of podcasts and then we just started kind of talking about it as a kind of a joke about if we would do our own one and what would it be and how would we kind of set it up and what would we talk about and then after kind of joking about it for a week or two uh, we decided why like let's just give it a go why not like the worst thing that happens is it's rubbish and it fails and who cares type of thing so I'll give a lot of credit to Marcus he was he's a little bit more creative than me in terms of the name and the brand and stuff and uh We've managed to get a lot of good guests on, um, and we're just kind of weird with it, and we're still doing it just now with, I think, we've done 20 episodes, or I think the next one's a 20th episode, um, but we'll we'll keep doing it for the next six months or so, um, at least until the summer, and then see where he is, he's, uh, and see if we're both still living together, and if we can still keep doing it, um, but no, we absolutely love it. Good stuff. It's definitely a worthwhile thing to do. Um, what are your hopes for the future? You obviously get plenty, plenty of years left in you on the football pitch, but do you want a, a career in football when you're finished playing, or do you think it'll be more towards uh, what you studied in your degree, or maybe podcasting in the media? Where do you see yourself uh, in the future? Um, I don't know if I see myself in the media or the podcast game. Uh, I don't know if I see myself coaching either. Um, I think I try and spend a lot of my time outside football kind of engaged in politics a bit and that's always been something that I've been really interested in um, and so my best bet would be I'd be most, most confident in saying that I'd maybe be involved in politics after football at what, kind of, at what level or at what degree I'm not really sure but I think that's probably the thing I'm most interested in now and something that I think I'll still be really interested in um, when I retired, but I could also see myself doing another another degree in something else 
I've considered studying law. Um, I don't know if I would do that, but I think right now I'm just honestly just kind of keeping my options open so that I've got like more than one opportunity after football and well, I think I'm just, I'm open to staying in football and, and maybe coaching or whatever. Uh, also maybe politics or maybe law or maybe, I don't know, something else. But I think right now I just try and keep outside football um, keep myself busy and kind of keep options open but at the same time in saying that I think I also my number one priority right now is football so that's where I spend most of my time and I want to get the absolute most out of my career um, and have as, as good as a career as possible Yep. Do you, do you see yourself playing out the rest of your playing days in Scotland or would you like to try abroad or maybe back to the States? Um. I think I, I think I, I can see kind of both options again. To be honest, I, I don't like to close off or uh, close off any options or any avenues. But I think that um, I could definitely see myself playing most of my career in the UK and Scotland. But I think if the, if the right opportunity came out in America, I've experienced America, and I think it's a it's got a lot of flaws as a country, but it's also you know there's a lot of good things to it, and I love my time over there. Um, the football's grown over there. The MLS is getting bigger, and most teams are getting added. And the stand is getting better, better. So I think that would be a really cool week to play in, definitely. Kieran, that was a really interesting discussion. Uh, thanks very much for your time, and we all hope that from the podcast that we see you back on the pitch really soon, and hopefully we'll be yeah. in the stadium to see you too. Me too. Hopefully, those two things Thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to look back on our home game against Peterhead and preview the big game away at Falkirk on Boxing Day. As always, stay safe and wear a mask.